morning, Evangelical Baptist Church. I'm Corey Ann, and I want to welcome you to our worship service this morning. A new men's four-week study on mentoring will begin Saturday, July 10th from 7 to 8 a.m. here at EBC. The next Prayer 30 is Wednesday, July 14th at 7 p.m. in the gym parking lot. And our annual church picnic and baptism is Saturday, August 28th at the Eloquia State Park Pavilion. Please sign up at the back of the sanctuary today and you can let us know if you're bringing a side dish or a dessert. Any questions, please contact the office. And Pastor Brian's sermon, It's a Trust Issue, comes from Proverbs 3. Have a blessed day. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart 
And happy 4th of July. <laughs> um, I'm going to read from Psalm 103, 1 through 5. My soul, praise Yahweh, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. My soul, praise the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness your youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen.
Am I on? I am on. Happy Fourth of July. Just thinking what a great country we live in. So grateful for it. Uh, scripture today is going to be Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on your tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Lord Jesus, let your name be exalted in this place. May Brian bring the word today with clarity. Let it sink into good soil in our hearts. Father, let us stay grateful for the freedoms that we have in this country, but they didn't come, it, it wasn't free, along with so many people that laid down their lives uh, for us to be able to preach the word here today, teach the word here today, um, to be able to enjoy our families, uh, the cookouts, the fireworks. It always comes with a price. Lord Jesus, uh, you came here and you surrendered. You laid down your own life freely for us so that we could be freed from the penalty of sin and death. We thank you so much for that. Um, again, we pray for Brian as he brings the word today. And let us be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Gary. Good morning, ABC. There were three turtles who went off to a picnic. One turtle packed sandwiches. The second turtle provided the drinks. 
The third turtle came with nothing. He simply came for the company. And as the turtles were heading off into the woods about halfway to their destination, it started to rain. So they took shelter under a large rock and began to talking about the need for umbrellas. The first two turtles turned to the third turtle and said, look, we made the sandwiches, we made and brought the drinks, you brought nothing at all. You need to go home, get the umbrellas, and then get those umbrellas, come back here, we'll go into the woods, and we'll have our picnic. The third turtle said, you must be joking. As soon as I'm around that corner, you're going to eat the food, you're going to drink the drinks, and when I come back with the umbrellas, there will be nothing left. The first two turtles said, no, no, we'll do no such thing. The third turtle said, you absolutely will. There's no way I'm doing that. I don't trust you. You have to trust us, the first two turtles replied. We will not eat the sandwiches. We will not drink the drinks until you come back with the umbrellas. Well, the third turtle leaves. Minutes go by. Minutes become hours. Hours become days. And on the 10th day, on the 10th day, the first turtle says to the second turtle, okay, how about it? We've waited long enough. Why don't we just eat the sandwiches and drink the drinks? Just then from behind the rock, there's this voice that says, if you do, I won't go get the umbrellas. <laughs> he wasn't going anywhere. It's an example of a paralysis of indecision. Many are paralyzed by indecision. Many cannot move forward with a decision out of fear that it will be the wrong one. Know the feeling? Ever been paralyzed by the thought, uh, I have this decision to make and, and I don't know if it's God's will or not or, or how do I know it's the best decision? Ever been paralyzed by that thought? I'm sure you have. I have. Well, that brings us to perhaps the most familiar verses in Proverbs, if not the entire Bible. These verses have been cross-stitched, memorized, quoted as favorite verses and testimonies. They have shown up on plaques and hung up on the wall of homes. These verses are strikingly simple. They speak to all ages, and they are our go-to verses when we need guidance or trying to decide about some major event in our life. I'm referring, of course, to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Now, the challenge with familiar verses like this is that we may know them too well. That may seem, may seem rather strange that I would say that. What I mean is, we know them so well that we stop thinking about what they really are saying. And so my hope this morning, as we delve into these two verses today, that you'll discover that it speaks to more than just a paralysis of indecision, but it speaks to everyday life and everyday matters. Well, if you're not there, I invite you to join with me to Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3. It's always good that you follow along in your Bibles with me. We continue in our study in Proverbs through this treasure chest of wisdom. And I remind you that we cannot have wisdom apart from a healthy fear of God. That fear that drives us to run to God in awe and affection is not only the starting place, 
for acquiring wisdom, but must be a continuing principle in our lives. And as we come to chapter 3, it becomes rather apparent that the direction of our life is greatly dependent upon who or what we trust. Who or what we trust in determines the course of our life. Let me say again, this is really what I want you to take with you this morning. Who or what we trust in determines the course, the direction of our life. All right, Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to focus primarily on verses 5 and 6 because in these two verses, we find three exhortations and one promise. Three exhortations and one promise. Our first exhortation comes right out of the words here in, in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We find those words in the first line of verse 5. Now, I need to, I need to point out something here as to the structure of these two verses, 5 and 6, that we're looking at this morning. That first sentence, trust in the Lord with all your heart, is linked to the last line in verse 6, and he will direct your paths. We could read this as trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will direct your path, and not miss anything in terms of flow of thought. The two lines in the middle, the other two exhortations that we're going to get to in a moment, those two lines there, they further explain and amplify the first line. They answer the question, how do we trust in the Lord with all our heart? Two ways, one negative and one's put in the positive. We trust in the Lord with all our heart by not leaning on our own understanding, end of verse 5, and by acknowledging him in all our ways, beginning of verse 6. All right, that's the structure. You, you needed that. Maybe you didn't feel it wasn't a felt need, but you, you needed that. Now, so let's look at the first exhortation uh, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, to speak of the heart, it, it's referring not to the organ in our body that pumps blood. The heart in Scripture is speaking to the control center of our lives, our will, emotions, mind, everything. And, and we're going to spend more time on this next Sunday. So that's really all I'm going to say about it here this morning. I want us to notice, though, how much we are to trust God. How much? It doesn't say, trust in the Lord with some of your heart, but with all of your heart. It's not some piecemeal trust. God, I'm going to trust you over here with, with, with my marriage, but I'm not trusting you with my money. I'm not trusting you with my occupation. I'll trust you over here with this. It's not that kind of trust. It means, it means exhaustively, completely. It is, if you will, betting your life on God steadfastly loving and faithful, being faithful to us forever. Now, this trust here addresses everyday living. Unfortunately, as you could know by my introduction, these two verses have been relegated to those times in our lives in which we are paralyzed by indecision. But listen, if we're not practicing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 regularly in our lives, then we have no business pulling these verses out of the hat when faced with a big decision. That misses the point. It's meant to be a moment-by-moment -moment trust in the living God. Now, that word trust there it means to throw ourselves down on one's face in complete reliance. It's a picture, really, of a servant bowing face down before the master, 
waiting for the master's command with a readiness to obey. It's to throw ourselves onto God and trust that what he says about it is best. Writer and theologian Henry Nouwen became fascinated in the last years of his life with a group of uh, trapeze artists. And so he asked that one of the leaders of that team about this special relationship between the flyers and the catchers. You've seen the picture. The leader told Nouwen, the relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze is governed by important rules, such as the flyer is the one who lets go, and the catcher is the one who catches. And you've seen it. As the flyer swings on that trapeze high above the crowd, that moment comes, right, when he has to let go, and he flings his body out in midair, and his job is to wait. Wait, it must feel like 10 minutes, he must wait for the strong hands of the catcher to take hold of him at just the right moments. And the leader then said this. He said, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer's job is to wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. Now, just so that I'm not misunderstood, I'm not suggesting at all this let go, let God approach to life. But there is a principle here for us. Our trust must, must, must solely be in the God who will catch us. We need to let God be God. We need, to, we need to let God do the catching. And really, it's a trust issue, is it not? See, just as our greatest need in life is to be saved is an issue of trust, so is every other matter in everyday life. Our future, our children, our relationships, our struggles, our money, our decisions, all things are a matter of trust. The question becomes, can we throw ourselves and those issues that concern us onto God and trust that he will catch us? To what degree am I, are you, depending on God with your list of worries, with everyday stuff. I mean, so often, we, we want to know why things happen the way they do, and they really kind of get in the way of trust. And yet, trust and faith, really, often, it's only as we look back in the rearview mirror do we discover that God was there the whole time. Margaret Fishbeck, she went through many trials in her life, and the person that she loved the most and the person she thought she was going to marry left her. And then she caught meningitis and was literally bedridden for several months. And at the lowest point in her life, another man fell in love with her and wanted to marry her, but she couldn't do it, even though she loved him. And she said this, Margaret Fishbeck said this, I'm out of trust. <laughs> I don't trust men. No, the feeling, don't say amen to that. I'm out of trust, she says. I'm not sure I can even trust God. Now, shortly after that, maybe that name rings a bell to you. But as she lay in her bed, she began to write these words in her diary. She said, after the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that many times along the path of life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. And as many of you know, that Footprints poem, 
Margaret Fishbeck went on to question that the Lord about, about those times when she needed him the most and he wasn't there, that there was only one set of footprints in the sand she assumed were hers. Yeah. And as the poem ends, God whispered to her, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Are you wondering right now if God's forgotten you? Where are you, God? I need you the most right now. He, he just might be carrying you. Are you stuck? Some place in your life right now? Maybe you're stuck in a job that you hate. Maybe you're, you're tired of being single. Do you find yourself in a marriage where you and your spouse are not on the same page? Is there something that's keeping you up at night? Will you trust God with that this morning. Will you give it to God? Then you say, well, no, I've done that many times. Yep, do it again. I have. Same things. Can you believe that God has your good in mind? And even if you've done it before, maybe today's the day where you recommit to trusting God with whatever that is. Oh, what does that trust look like? Well, the next two, next two exhortations answer that. First of all, it means exhortation number two, do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. We find those words in the second line of verse five. See, if we're going to trust in God with all of our heart, it means we do not lean on our own understanding. And the first, pop, first thought that pops into my mind as I read those words, do not lean on your own understanding, is why would we lean on our own understanding anyway? Is it that good? I mean, think about the times you've leaned on your own understanding. How'd that work out for you? See, we don't have all the information. There's so much we don't know. Why would we want to lean on our own understanding? Now, the one who leans on his own understanding, here's really the issue. It's what Solomon identifies here in verse 7 as being wise in your own eyes. Wise in your own eyes. Elsewhere in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12, it says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? And we could add, who's leaning on his own understanding? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So, in what specific way, or maybe a, a specific area in your life right now, do you find yourself leaning on your own understanding of it? Now, by the way, this is not to say that we don't use our brains. We're not to check our brains at the door. The point here is not that you, that you, you never attempt to understand the situation or, or bring your thoughts onto a subject. It's a matter of what you're leaning on. The idea of leaning here is to put your full weight on it. Are you going to put your full weight on your own understanding of what your eyes can see? And if it isn't understanding you're leaning on, then I ask you, what are you leaning on? I've had people say to me before, you know, Christians use Christ as a crutch. Okay, I'll give you that. What is your crutch? You're leaning on something. 
It might be your mind. You might be your smarts. It might be your charisma. You might be your capabilities. It might be your health. You might be some relationship or a hobby or a recreation. It might be, it might be you're, you're leaning on your money or you're leaning on your family or you're leaning on alcohol or some other substance. You're, you're leaning on your past experiences. Or maybe you're leaning on the way you've always done it. Maybe you're leaning on your ability to manipulate a situation and control it. And you're leaning on that. You're counting on it. Your security might be in your career. It might be your savings in the bank. It might be your retirement. It might be your dreams or ambitions or, or, or plans. You might be leaning on putting your whole weight on a change in government, policies, or, or officials. We are all leaning on something or someone. We all need somebody to lean on, <laughs> someone wrote. I won't go any further with that song than that. But you see, the issue isn't, do we have a crutch? Do we have the right crutch? <laughs> Is what you're leaning on, trusting in, something that's going to hold you up in tough times, the, the challenges of life, the disappointments in life, when someone breaks trust with you, will you fall? Now suppose, and I'm not going to do this, I, I did, it did tempt me for a moment to do this right here now, but, uh, but I'm not going to, it's going to be hypothetical, you don't have to do this, I don't, I don't want you to do it, but suppose, suppose I was to invite you to stand and ask you to lean on a chair around you somewhere, or maybe lean on somebody around you, and you just kind of lean on them, and, you, and, I, and I want you to lean on that person or lean on the chair, I'm leaning on this lectern, right? If this gives way... It, it's going to get ugly real fast. But whether it's this lectern or person next to you or, or the chair around you that you're leaning on, when you do that, it kind of leaves you feeling a little vulnerable. And what if the person you're leaning on pulls away? To trust in the Lord is to choose not to put all your weight on our understanding, how we see things, what we can and can't understand. It's to put all of our weight on the Lord. Here's the real issue in this. If I put my full weight on God rather than in my own understanding, it means I must surrender control to God. It puts us a little off balance, and quite frankly, we don't like that feeling. And many people today, honestly, are running from God because they don't want to put their full weight on God. It's not, it's, not a, it's not an intellectual thing. It's a will thing. I don't want to submit to him. And they prefer control over this feeling of, of kind of being off balance. Surrendering control is so hard for us, isn't it? I said us. So this is what we do instead. We kind of put one hand on God, like this, and we call it leaning. I'm leaning on God. Put on, I'm trusting in God right now. See, this way, if I can just kind of do this, I can keep God close to me, but I don't have to give up control to God. That way, I can still lean on my own understanding a little, and I can lean on God a little. We call it a win-win. A.W. Tozer nailed it when he said, pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. 
For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And not since Adam stood up on the earth has God failed a single man or woman or trusted him. I mean, how has your own understanding of a situation led you to try and help God out a little bit? <laughs> you have a plan B in case God doesn't come through. What do you do when the Bible contradicts what you want to be true? Which will you trust in? Which are you going to lean on at that moment? Remember as a kid, maybe you experienced this too, thinking um, crutches would be cool. Right? So I kick them in with crutches and I go, can I, can I try those? I'd kind of like to walk on those crutches. This is really cool if I have crutches. And it was a little bit novel. It's kind of fun for a little bit. But then I had to be on them as an adult for several weeks on a couple occasions. And not only were they a nuisance, they were just downright exhausting. If you've ever had to do it, leaning on crutches is tiring. So is leaning on our own understanding. If you want to spend an exhausting day, do this. Work out your circumstances from just a human perspective. Try to solve everything that kind of comes at you from only a human viewpoint. Try to interact with people, resolve that problem with your child, get through the situation that doesn't make sense, only by using your human resources. It is exhausting. I've done it. Afraid I'll probably do it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do we express that? By not leaning on anything else but God. Lean not on your own understanding. The second way we express our trust is found in our third exhortation this morning, right from the scriptures here. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. We find those words at the beginning of verse 6. Now, what does acknowledge him mean? In some translations, it says submit. We'll come back to that in a minute. But for starters, you can see the word know right in it, can't you? It's, it's to be aware of and to recognize. Think, think of it like this. You're hanging out in a room when someone uh, walks in that you recognize. You would likely acknowledge him or her, assuming, of course, you're not trying to avoid him. You'd make it clear to everyone else in the room, I know this person. You might say hi, you might reach out uh, and shake his hand, you might fist bump, you might high five, you may hug. Uh, you'd acknowledge him in some way. Now, it might be different. If your spouse walked in, you, you might, you, you're acknowledging him or her, it might be a little more expressive. If your boss walked in, you might acknowledge him differently. Or if your commanding officer walked in, you would acknowledge you know him and acknowledge his authority. That's what's behind this word acknowledge. No doubt if God, if Jesus walked into this room, we would acknowledge him. Think about how different our lives would be if in every situation and every activity and every decision we acknowledged God as the, as the authority in our lives just walked into the room. Think about that. I mean, what if what if we're about to tell that lie? We're about to gossip about someone. We became aware that Jesus just walked into the room. <laughs> what difference would it make if in that job situation, as you're about to cut corners and do some unethical thing, you suddenly acknowledge there's another boss in this room? 
What would change if in that room, on that computer, no one else is around, that you acknowledged in that moment, God, you are here. Or about, you're about to hit the send button, and you acknowledge that there's someone else looking over your shoulder. Would you still send it? Or maybe you're in the classroom or behind a building, you're out in the woods, you're in the kitchen having that conflict with your spouse, and you acknowledge, God, you are here. We ought to acknowledge God and his presence in our lives by submitting to his authority, doing what he tells us. That's evidence that we're trusting in him. So we have a choice to make throughout our day. Rule my own life and ignore him, or do what he says is best for my life. We're faced with that all day long. Roger Staubach led the uh, Dallas Cowboys to the Super Bowl victory in 1971, and he was a quarterback for the Cowboys at that time, and he admitted that his position as a quarterback who didn't call his own place was a source of trial for him. Coach Landry would send in every single play, and he told Roger when he was to pass, he told Roger when he was to run, uh, do a run play. He, only in emergency situations could he change the play. Other than that, he needed to do what he sent in. And even though Roger Starbuck considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to a football strategy, pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Roger had a decision to make. Would he allow pride to rule his life and ignore his coach, making himself the star, or would he listen to the coach and do what he wanted? And Starbuck later said this. He said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. That's what it means to acknowledge God. We let him call the shots, which is going to be at odds with my pride that wants to do it my way. Another song. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to Death, Proverbs tells us. Proverbs 28, 16 says, He who trusted himself is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. What's its safety all about? Where do we find this security? What is the result of trusting the Lord with all our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, and all our ways acknowledging him? Here's the promised reward. The promised reward. He will make your path straight. And last line of verse 6, or make uh, straight your paths. Now, the common translation is, he will direct your paths. That's how I memorized it. But really, it's better to translate this. He will make your path straight, or he will make straight your paths. Because the picture here is of making straight your paths is that on this road of life, there are obstacles in the road, there's potholes that need to be filled, there's lots of twists and turns. Sometimes it seems like you're going nowhere, one dead end after another. Well, on this road of life, God promises to clear away what is needed to be removed that would prevent us from living an upright, skillful life. That's what he's talking about. Not just the one decision we need to make at that moment. And he's going to make that path straight for us to know exactly what to do. That's not what he's talking about. It isn't. See, God wants us to avoid the pitfalls and hazards of unwise choices and all the troubles that come with living our life unaware that God is in the room. He wants you to walk securely in him. 
He wants us to, 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 to walk in wisely in his paths that are not marked all up with this debris to trip you up. He's going to clear it. We can count on God to guide our lives in whatever we face, to give us what we need to live skillfully, to move about this world in wisdom, to live well. See, the only straight path, church, is listening to what God says about living in this world. Now, this isn't saying at all that all is going to go smoothly in your life. <laughs> this is not saying you won't have problems. Because you might say, Pastor, look down at verse 8. Sounds a lot like health, wealth, and the prosperity gospel. And it goes beyond my scope this morning to, to go after that and speak to all the verses that speak against that. It's not where I'm going this morning, but look at verse 8. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. And proponents of health, wealth, and prosperity go, there it is. I follow God. Health, wealth, prosperous. Found in verse 10. Here it is again. Promises, barns filled, it, filled to overflowing. Is this promising too much here? Must remember, these are figures of speech that speak to thriving and overall, overall blessing that comes to those who trust God. Not the physical stuff we always think about. It's talking about the confidence and security we can have knowing that God's going to take care of us. That's what it's getting at. If we read all of chapter 3, I encourage you to do that. If you're following along every day, you would have read it yesterday. But further in chapter 3, verse 23, verse 23, it says, Then, we trust in the Lord with all then you will go your way in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will have no fear of sudden disaster. Why? The Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. End of verse 26. You see what it's saying? It's not all about the physical blessings that we would like to have, that God will take care of us if we follow him. He's talking about security, confidence, and God, he will clear away the debris so we don't stumble through our life. Or if we stumble, we get back up because we know he's continued to clear in front of us. See, security is the reward we have when we trust him with whatever is concerning us. It's the confidence that God has us. He has us. Even when we can't see or understand it. Singer Lauren Daigle wrote these words. She said, hold on to me when it's too dark to see you, when I'm sure I have reached the end. Hold on to me when I forget I need you, when I let go. Hold me again. Can you trust in the faithful arms of God to hold you through this life? That the one who sees it all can be trusted over what our eyes can see. In the Winter Olympics one year, there was this featured story about blind skiers. Blind skiers. I can't even do it. It's seeing it. Never mind being blind. But they were being trained uh, for slalom skiing. And the story was told how these blind skiers would be paired up with sighted skiers and taught them on the flats how to make right and left turns. I knew someone in, in, in New York who, who did this. He, was sighted, he, was, he could see, and he helped blind skiers. And so they do it on the flats first. And, and when that was mastered, 
if they listened to the sighted skiers say, go right, go left. They were then taken to the slalom slope where their partners who could see skied beside them shouting, left, right, left, right. And as they obeyed the commands, they were able to negotiate the course and cross the finish line depending solely on the sighted skier's word. It was either complete trust or catastrophe. In this world, we are in reality blind about what course to take if left to ourselves. We are. We think we can figure it out. We can't. We must rely completely on the word of the only one who is truly sighted, God himself. He will give us the direction we need to finish the course. And when he says right, when he says left, when he says go right, go left, will we trust him? Will we trust him? Let's pray. God, it's clear and throughout Scripture that you are trustworthy. Not only in Scripture, we can see it in our own lives as we look back in reverse and see how those times we might even thought you left us and, 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 the, and, and the case was, was the exact opposite. You were there carrying us. You have us. So God, as we sing now this close of great is thy faithfulness, May we remember in our own lives how you have been faithful to us. May we see your track record of faithfulness throughout your word. That is those who who banked on you and put all their weight on you. Oh, life didn't always go smoothly for them. but, But in the end, you showed yourself to be faithful. And so God, may we sing with great confidence. May we go out in this week with much security in our hearts and confidence in you, that great is thy faithfulness. May we put all our weight on that rather than on ourselves, I pray in Jesus' name.
announcements before uh, we close this morning. I want to remind you, uh, men, of the mentoring study uh, beginning this Saturday at 7 to 8 down there, downstairs in the fellowship hall that begins this Saturday. It's a four-week study for men on mentoring, and you do not need to sign up for that. But you do need to sign up for the church picnic. It's in August, and you're going, August, that's way out there. All right, we need you to sign up and not wait till August 23rd. The picnic's the 28th, all right? So you have plenty of time, but you don't have plenty of time. We need to know how many are coming, and we need to know what you're bringing. It's important to Eloquia State Park that they know the number, all right? So very important you sign up. It's on that back uh, counter on your way out to your left. And then Prayer 30 is the next opportunity we have to gather together as a church to pray from 7 p.m. to 7.30. Uh, and it's uh, on Wednesday, July 14th, week from this Wednesday over in the um, gym parking lot, okay? So note that as well and be a part of that if possible. All right, now I want to, normally this is where I give you a blessing and send you out. But you know, this morning we're going to do it a little bit different. We're going to bless each other. We're going to say a blessing to each other. Because in Numbers chapter 6, it's the priests who give the blessing to the Israelites. New Testament says we're all priests. Not just this guy up here. We're all priests. All right, so... So we're going to say it to each other this morning, this blessing. All right, we're saying it to each other as we send each other off into this week. All right, say it out loud with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen? You're dismissed.